0: Awaken podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality with your hosts, Brittany Hartley and Bill Real. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment or find out more about the resources we shared. And now today's podcast episode.
1: Oh, wait, look who's back.
2: I'm back, everyone. I've missed you so much, Bill. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Oh, it's good to be back. I've missed this so much. I've missed you. (laughs) Yeah, and
1: no, and no knock on Jana. I've really enjoyed having Jana for the summer. And we covered a lot of great stuff and really appreciate all the work she put into it. But uh, you're my cohort for the show. And I'm glad you're back and uh, excited to, we're going to jump into a really cool conversation today. But how was your summer?
2: Yeah, good summer. I'm going to be talking about a lot of things that we'll talk about on the podcast today. Just kind of had this like return to the feminine this summer, which will which is just a great segue into what we're talking about today. But what was your before we move on? What was your favorite episode that you did with Jenna? Which episode stands out to you?
1: Um, uh, you're, She's you just put, this you...
2: well of wisdom.
1: Yeah, you put me on the spot here, but um, we did a couple things on internal family systems, which I really enjoyed only because that's a therapy that I'm into. But I thought Jana did a really great episode on integral theory. Um, And then there was one other one um, that stuck it. I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. Um, What was it about? Let me go here. Let me just poke in and let me just see if I can look at. i'm not seeing it but there you did, was you did
2: mysticism and you did celtic spirituality Well, controversial
1: conversations was one that we had as well and oh, i think i was oh, in charge yes, yes, of yes. the topic maybe for that one but that was a great conversation i thought too and really enjoyed i mean she'd helped us out here with maybe seven or eight shows and
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I, I thought she put some really good ideas that aren't things that maybe i was thinking about probably weren't going to be things that you were going to think about but it It gave us a chance to cover some material that you and I wouldn't have covered that I thought was really well done.
2: Yeah. And I I saw her at Sunstone this year. She did a couple of presentations, but I went to one where she um, that she did on mysticism. And it was just so gorgeous. And uh, I learned a lot and I was challenged, even though I'm in that space, too. Um, She's just such a well of wisdom that I'm so happy to have in our lives, in our orbit
1: yeah what a what a good friend and and like you, I mean, what a what a grounded, wise person with that's got life experience and has figured out how to how to adult better and and I think is really great at this kind of stuff, which is, you know helping people have tools for the second half of life
2: yeah she she has a lot of for me, she stands out and just having so much compassion for where people are in their journeys, mm. which is sometimes as a as I go on TikTok, which is the only thing that I did work-wise this summer was do some TikToking and I got to 100,000 followers yesterday. So Man, that you're kicking something. my booty. I'm at
1: like 14,000 or something.
2: <laughs> so TikTok is the only thing I really did this summer work-wise. But, um, sometimes Are you monetizing
1: can... that, by the way? No. <laughs> Why I'm sending them all
2: because I'm sending them all here saying okay. if you like what I'm doing, if you want to know more, I literally have done nothing on TikTok that I have not said on this podcast. Like, yeah. I'm just cutting up some of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. So, I'm sending everybody here to uh, join the podcast and then maybe find my work in other ways or support the podcast. Um, I don't even know how to monetize that, but really, it's just stuff that we've talked about on the podcast the past few years and uh, just cut up into little. I try to do like one minute, but it always ends up being five minutes because I'm not made for TikTok. I need I need our two hour podcast to flesh out these ideas. I don't I can't do it. It's too short.
1: (laughs) I'm with you. I, I get mad at myself. I'll try to do a TikTok and I'll go over the minute. Oh, and, uh, yeah. and then I'm like a minute and three seconds. I'm like, all right, let's start, delete it, start over. Let's try to get it one minute or less. And
2: I just always click 10 minutes now just to like yeah. give myself the room. And even then there's been times where I ran out, like, how did I run out of 10 minutes? <laughs> anyway, but on TikTok, sometimes I get a little snarky in the comments because, you know, there's, there's haters and there's pushback and there's yeah. quote unquote Christian love coming at me and I can get really snarky. And Jana always like helps me come back to seeing um, things in terms of human development with a lot of compassion. And that's how she continually challenges me to be better, especially on social media when I can get a little snarky.
1: Yeah, yeah, we all we all need that person in our world who can soften us up just a little bit and help us Mm -hmm. see that while the other person is wrong, <laughs> they come from a perspective that to them seems legitimate and has value.
2: Yes. And still has <laughs> value in the world and value in conversation. And anyway, right. yeah, good stuff. I, um, yeah. So this summer I did, a, I didn't work, um, cause I was home with my kids and it just kind of felt this just return to feminine things. And I was just like, I, um, did sound baths and I did yoga and I did uh, I was just connecting to my body more and I was coming back to my relationships more. And I think something that um, shows that I'm hopefully coming around full circle from healing from Mormonism, which, you know, I had my faith crisis, what, like 12 years ago now, and I'm still kind of recovering, right? Uh, Coming back to the things that like, they were forced down your throat to me as a Mormon that you need to stay at home and you need to bake bread. And like, this is what you do. And I just had this huge rejection of it because it was like forced on me in this patriarchy. And then I, um, kind of find myself returning to some of the beauty and wisdom behind kind of some of those more feminine aspects that I couldn't have done five years ago because it was still too traumatized Mm. because it was mixed with patriarchy. And so, That kind of goes into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the hero's journey or the hero's journey and the heroine's journey, and um, Barbie, which I saw that you saw. So hopefully, you can help me remember some of this from Barbie.
1: The, two of my favorite episodes that we ever did was the dangerous ideas and the hero's journey. And the hero's mm-hmm. journey, I thought, was just gorgeous. And so when you said, "Hey, Bill, today we're going to talk about the heroine's journey, the fee, the feminine version of, of the hero's journey." Uh, And having seen Barbie, I'm super excited for this conversation. And I think there's going to be a lot of cool ideas that come out sort of like that came out in that first episode on the hero's journey.
2: Yeah. And I'm almost embarrassed that when we did the episode for the hero's journey, I didn't know that there was a heroine's journey. Mm -hmm. Like had no idea, wasn't on my radar, never seen anything about it. And it was actually TikTok, freaking TikTok, that I saw something on the heroine's journey and I was like, "Um, excuse me, (laughs) like Bill and I just did this like extensive study on the hero's journey. That was a fantastic episode I thought too that we put together and like had no idea. So this will be super fun today. All right, so as always, we're gonna start off with a little bit of history because that's where I go uh, when I'm starting these episodes because that's just where I want to kind of ground the conversation. So when we did The Hero's Journey, it comes from the work of Joseph Campbell, predominantly in his book, The Hero of a Thousand Faces, which was published in 1949. And he had gone through all the ancient stories and myths and found that it followed this similar narrative. Um, But it didn't take into account in 1949, that the ones who largely wrote the stories were men about men. So then a student of Joseph Campbell's, named Maureen Murdoch in the 1990s wrote a book called The Heroine's Journey, Women's Quest for Wholeness as a response to Campbell's model saying, hey, based on my own experience as a female in the world and based on kind of the female myths and archetypes that I'm studying, I don't think that the hero's journey completely fits kind of the female archetype story. So she's a psychoanalyst, she's a student of Joseph Campbell's, she studied Jung, and she's recognizing that aspects of the hero's journey just really doesn't speak to the feminine. And so what I want to ask you is, Campbell, uh, Joseph Campbell read her model, like read her book and and her model of the heroine's journey, and his response was, women don't need to make a journey. All she has to do is realize that she's the place that people are trying to get to. And I like, I have to sit with that. And I really want to know what you think, because on the one hand, like I appreciate it because it's like calling out that in some ways men are trying to get to where women already are. But on the other hand, is it like, Pedestalizing? Is it like benevolent patriarchy to say that like women don't need to go on a journey, that we're just like naturally there and we don't have to go through shit? Like, what do you think about his statement there?
1: So, first off, I saw your notes and I thought sort of the same thing. It reminds me in our old religion. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of like when people, when anyone would draw a connection to women not having priesthood there was always like, well, women are already better than men mm-hmm. and women don't need the priesthood. It's because men are less than women mm-hmm. that men need the priesthood to help them to, to be as good. And it, that just feels, as you say, sort of patronizing, it sort of feels yeah. yucky and gross. And I think, I think that, uh, Joseph Campbell missed the mark out of his own blind spots. Right.
2: Yeah. And maybe, you know, we can just say he's a man of his time and hadn't, Maybe gone through. He didn't have movies like Barbie back then, so yeah, it, it, that was a tough one. I, I I don't know if I'm triggered because of that shared kind of religious past, or if um, maybe he was just missing something there. But he wasn't he wasn't super on board with it, and she just kept going and um, published her book, and I think it's fantastic.
1: Maybe let it's me at also least
2: worth considering.
1: Yeah, let me also say that you know, I I know in the modern age we have Disney and you're going to point to a lot of those kinds of references, but Mm -hmm. if we go back in time there, you know, Disney bases, tons of its stories on these older myths or fairy tales, and there is a common pattern. And so Joseph Campbell's not only perhaps saying something that comes from kind of an unhealthy place or a blind spot, but, um, But also I think he just missed the fact that they exist and that there is a common pattern. And if he would have seen that, then it would have just been absolute that his statement was incorrect.
2: Yeah. Like the first Disney movies, when you're talking about Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, the woman is the prize. And so like, maybe he's still in that place of like, Oh, there's no need for a heroine's journey because the female is the prize. Like she's the princess, like princess peach is the, is at the end of the video game. That's what you're trying to get to, and she's the prize. And it's missing kind of what it's like to be a woman in the world that you don't just exist to be a prize for men to rise to. Like, there's something more about being a woman than existing for that. And I think he missed that.
1: Yeah, uh, who Princess Peach? What video game is that from? That's Mario. I was gonna say I don't know that. I was gonna ask you what? who the who the princess is in Mario because that's <laughs> yeah. also a game. That's yeah, where, it's princess yeah they save the princess.
2: You didn't. You didn't play Mario growing up. I did, Somehow but I didn't like, know the
1: storyline. Yeah. So,
2: well, at the end, he gets Princess Peach, and there she's the trophy. She's the trophy at the end of the journey. The, and and that's what a lot of our older stories that have women in it are about, where she's the princess at the end that you slay the dragon, and so she's the reward. Um, and that's just only one aspect of women in archetypal stories. Sometimes they are the trophy, and Um, But they have, there's more, there's more to kind of this, the feminine journey than just that. So as a disclaimer, before we get going, and then I have that um, graphic for you, if you want to um, try to bring that up, I think I put at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But um, the disclaimer is we're going to say the words masculine and feminine, feminine a lot in this episode. And I never mean Uh, male or female. And I don't mean penis and vagina. Like this is not the journey of the penis. It's not the journey of the vagina. It's not really about sex and gender. These are compiled from stories that we have of the archetype of masculine and the archetype of feminine. And you need to do both journeys to be a complete human. And so even though we're going to say words like men and masculine and women, um, it's not going to be about kind of what you're packing. Like it's 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 about these archetypes and these stories um, relating to one more than the other. And that as a complete human you can have both you need to have both, which is a very Taoist idea, right? So we're gonna do the aspects of the heroine's journey and then the three kind of stories that comes that come to mind that I'll be using as examples as we go is the Barbie movie because both Ken and Barbie go through a heroine's journey and then uh, Rapunzel and Mulan.
1: <clears throat> Love it. Just and I do have that graphic I, uh-huh. ready when you're, when okay. you want it.
2: Yeah. So let's do it. Let's put that up. Okay. And the heroine's journey starts right before, um, before kind of the problem begins. It starts with uh, safety with the mother. Like everything is safe, you're with mom, you have safety in the feminine. And then there is a problem and this is where we start. So the problem in story is often the mother dying. There's a reason that most Disney princesses don't have a mother because there's no story without the death of the mother. There's a separation from the feminine. And so often that is shown as the death of the mother. You see this in like Cinderella or there's kind of a joke in the movie Wreck-It Ralph that none of the princesses have mothers, and so with with the death of the mother or a problem with the feminine, a problem with the safety, you're not just safe at home in mother's care. There's going to be something that requires you to leave safety and a separation from the feminine. For the even, heroes, yeah, go ahead.
1: Even in like Sleeping Beauty, where you know it's the the witch says that she's going to prick herself on a spinning wheel. Uh, the mother and the father, the king and the queen leave, they, they go away mm-hmm. and uh, the princess is then left and then finds herself in a room full of spinning wheels. Um, even in instances where there is a mother in the beginning, she often either has to step away or she mm-hmm. gets killed. Yeah. yeah.
2: So like Rapunzel is the same thing. She has a mother. There's a separation and she lives with stepmother and stepmother is a huge... Um, archetype for female stories because it's like the feminine is there, but there's something wrong with it. And that's why we have the evil stepmother. There's something not okay with this version of the feminine, right? It's like, it's, it's a problem. Something's wrong, Um, which, which demands then a story, right? Because if, if everything, if, if you were just a child and you're sleeping beauty and you're just being loved by mom and dad, there's no story. Like that's it. You're just safe and everything's fine. So for the hero's journey, there's the call to adventure. That's the beginning of the story. For the heroine's journey, it's something is wrong. Something is not okay. And so for the Barbie movie, they're dancing. Everything's fine. They're having that choreographed dance in the Barbie house. And then Barbie says, do you ever think about death? And then the music stops. And there's this moment of like, well, that's different. Like, that's not okay. And for Mulan, it's, you know, your dad is crippled and he's being called into war. Rapunzel is trapped in a tower. She wants to see the outside world. Something something happens. There's a problem. And there's a especially a, a separation from the feminine and the safety of mother, mm. um, which, which often, ha- often happens as, as a kind of death. So the next thing that happens is an identification with the masculine. So as the journey progresses, the heroine adopts masculine qualities to navigate in a masculine world. So she adopts uh, roles traditionally associated with men or you know this kind of assertive, goal-oriented behavior to pursue her goals to fix the problem. She's taking on a masculine energy to go out into the world to fix the problem. And whenever there's a leaving of the feminine to be more action oriented, you've got to be strong. You're going for the job. You're doing the thing. We call that more a masculine energy. So in the Mulan movie, she's chopping off her hair and putting on a soldier's uniform to save her father and literally becoming a man, which is so interesting that Mulan like really closely follows this archetypal story. Um, she's with mom and dad she's safe the problem and then she literally takes on the masculine and becomes you know uh, she has that song be a man sung by Donnie Osmond um, of all things and for Barbie it's she's going into the world of patriarchy the real world for Rapunzel she teams up with this kind of rogue man and she's going into bars and she's facing danger she leaves her tower and so this is the phase when women, get shit done. They're identifying with the masculine. They need something to change. Um, this is also the story of father's daughters who were inherently taught to value men and patriarchy and male values over the feminine. And for me personally, and I'm gonna bring kind of my own story into this um, cause I've been really exploring these themes this summer. It is um, for me personally, the when I was kicked out of my home at 16 and my mother and I were estranged and um, she had literally slapped me and then put me on the plane the next day after finding, finding out that I had had sex. And what felt safe to me was like philosophy and logic and reason and these really male dominated spaces because that felt better than the world of feelings and intuition because that felt feminine and there was something wrong with the feminine going on in my life. And so there was like a rejection. So for if, if I were to go back to me 20 years ago, I wouldn't see any value in the feminine. I wouldn't see any value in intuition or feelings or body. I was literally just, I was drawn to logic and philosophy and these kind of more male values as what felt safe and what was going to be there to help fix my problems. And that's what it was for me personally.
1: Any thoughts I Also, you want, I just want to say too, when you point out like, you know, something happens to the motherly figure and then there's this problem in the story and i know this comes up throughout this circle it sort of gets revisited and revisited in in the barbie movie it does too but part of the problem in most of these heroine stories seems to be that the societal expectations on the female character like she is very limited on what she's supposed to do what she's allowed to do what her where her voice is um and and as i'm just thinking through my head like little mermaid for instance right she's stuck in the ocean she doesn't want to be there she's trying to broaden her her horizons and everyone and She doesn't have a mom to, either. No and, and everyone's yeah. trying to hold her down and every one of these heroine stories not everyone but a lot of these heroine stories seem to involve where the societal expectations or the family's expectations the on the female character is that she is not supposed to speak up. She's not supposed to do anything outside of her established role. And she is to fit in a tiny little box that she's been placed in.
2: Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the heroine's journey, she takes on some of that, like, okay, this is how the world works. This is how I'm going to fix my problem. I'm going to take on some of these um, kind of patriarchal ways of, of, of having to exist as a woman in the world. And so she's going to take that on and then she's going to have to mourn that move later on in the journey. Um, But yeah, you're, you're definitely right. She's, she's going to be taking on some of these um, aspects of society that tell her what her value is um, especially in comparison to men, which is interesting. Mm. So then we go on to the road of trials and this is where uh, the heroine's journey and the hero's journey are the same and so where the hero where the hero's journey ends the heroine's journey is going to keep going but for right now as she's taken on the masculine she's going to do a hero's journey and so it's going to be the exact same thing as what we did in our earlier podcast which is the road of trials and this is where you set off on a path of adventure you meet allies enemies and a mentor just like in the hero's journey so Mulan makes friends in her company. She has that great song, Be a Man. She meets her enemy, Shan Yu. Um, This is the part that's just exactly like the hero's journey of Star Wars or Harry Potter, where you're meeting... Ron Weasley and Draco Malfoy and you have enemies and challenges and mentors for the hero's journey. The mentor is going to be your Yoda Dumbledore Gandalf character, like this old wise character. But the mentor for the heroine's journey is the crone, which is the wise old woman. And she's usually alone and she usually exists in some kind of like hut, like on the outside of society. So this would be like grandmother Willow in Pocahontas, who's a tree kind of at the outskirts of of the village or the grandmother in moana this these are all disney references because disney stories are so archetypal but also like i have young children these are the movies that i'm seeing um and i love the grandmother in moana she says i'm the village crazy lady that's my job like she's embraced this like grown energy and she does her own hula dances anyway she's really cool And even to uh, notice yeah. you're
1: even the notice in the Barbie movie, right? The weird Barbie is weird. On the Barbie. She, yes. And she's not really quite acceptable. She, yes. Everybody wants, everybody recognizes she has the ability to inspire or fix something, but also like, we don't really want her in the center of town.
2: Yes, that's such a good point that like, you're having a problem. I think you need to go talk to weird Barbie, but she doesn't live here. She lives out there. Yeah, we don't really want
1: her here. (laughs) Yeah, we
2: don't want her here. But I think she can actually has some wisdom and can help you. But she's super weird. Right. And she wears Birkenstocks. She doesn't wear heels. And I, I cannot wait if there is ever a weird Barbie figurine that comes out. I'm definitely going to buy her and put her on my shelf somewhere because she's just got some great crone energy. And then the other, the other kind of archetype is like a fairy godmother. So these are just, they're old wise women that have some kind of magical wisdom or healing powers that are part of the mentorship. Um, they're, Whereas the hero's journey, it's more of like your Dumbledore, Gandalf, old man character.
1: In, so yeah, go ahead. I'll just I'll just add too, with all of those uh, fairy godmother characters that are just so prevalent in Disney cartoons, there is I want the audience to recognize that there is a strong feminine energy in those characters, and they are very grounded and confident. They're not really looking to anyone else to figure out what to say or what to do or what the, what role they're supposed to fill. They're, um, they're leaders mm. with a feminine energy. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good nuance to add. Um, so the road of trials is where there's a focus on kind of ego development and um, climbing a ladder to success, prestige, position, solving problems, whatever her problem is. She's on the road to doing all the things to fix the problem. And the super interesting thing, to me, this was probably the most interesting thing or surprising thing about um, the heroine's journey is that most of the time, not always, but the majority of the time in these stories, when she takes on the masculine and tries to accomplish something out in the world, she is successful, she does the thing. She gets the job. She slays the dragon. Mulan becomes the soldier. Rapunzel wants to go out to see the, fly, the floating lights. She makes it on time. In Barbie, she wants to make it to the woman who was drawing the Barbies and giving her an existential crisis. And she wanted to go to the real, real world and find her. And she did. So these women are actually successful. Like, they actually do the thing. So this isn't a heroine's journey where, like, oh, they fail, and then they return back to the feminine. It's, it's that they actually find success. And so um, the interesting part is that the hero's journey, the hero goes into his deepest, darkest cave, defeats the monster, goes home, and shares his gifts and stories with the community. And that's the end of the hero's journey. But the heroine's journey, we're going to keep going. And after the success is a spiritual desert. So I saw the floating lights in Rapunzel, but it didn't make my life better. Or there's something still missing. Or I became a soldier and I saved my dad, but I can't go home yet. Or Barbie, when she comes back and collapses on the ground because she did what she set out to do, but she's not okay. There's this lingering feeling that something is missing. Um, In the stories, this is called the spiritual desert. Where this was supposed to make me happy. I did the thing that I set out to do, but I'm overworked and I'm depleted and I'm cut off from myself and I'm burned out. In real life, this looks like I got the job. I'm the boss bitch. I'm doing all the things, but I'm burned out and I'm miserable. Like, I can't do this anymore. And so the first part of the heroine's journey is kind of propelled by the mind. And then the second half of the journey, she's gonna kind of return to this heart space. So the heroine's been working on all the developmental tasks to become an adult, to individuate from her parents, to establish her identity in the outside world, to survive in a patriarchy. And then she has the sense of spiritual desert that her river of creativity has dried up. And she begins to ask, What have I lost in this heroic quest, even though I got what I was looking for? She achieved everything she set out to do, but it has come at a great sacrifice to her soul and her relationship with herself and the people she's um, most connected to feels estranged.
1: Yeah. Um, As I'm sitting and thinking uh, about this part, it, Again, this isn't all the time. This isn't in all the cartoons or in all the tales or all the, the fables and myths that, that involve a, a lead female character. But some, at least sometimes it seems as though the thing they go to do, they go to do on behalf of someone else. Yeah. Uh, a, a simple one would be like Beauty and the Beast. She goes to save her dad because her dad needs rescued, right? Mm-hmm. So she goes to save her dad. But the, the heroine at some point has to figure out that doing the right thing for the wrong reasons still doesn't solve the problem
2: Mm, and doesn't get her to what she wants, which is this Mm. deep connection to herself and everyone else. But she's taken on kind of these, these patriarchal ideas that aren't helping her. And she's cut off from part of herself in order to do all these things. And that's when we get to the descent into the darkness. So both the hero's journey and the heroine's journey, um, will have like a descent to like your deepest shit moment and for the hero's journey the hero does that before he slays the dragon and for the for the heroine's journey it comes after she gets after she slays the dragon and does it and then is still not happy and that's when she does her descent into the darkness, which I thought, which I thought was really interesting, because um, that's a difference between the masculine and feminine journey. So at this point, the heroine is faced with what we would call the dark night of the soul, like major destructuring, uh, sadness, grief, unfocused, undirect- feeling undirected. Um, This could be the death of a child or a spouse, the loss of identity, serious physical or mental illness, uh, midlife transition, divorce, aging, loss of community. It can take weeks, months, years. It can't be rushed because the heroine is reclaiming not only parts of herself, but also the lost soul of the culture. She's realizing that in this kind of world of patriarchy, um, that there's something missing, not just in herself, but in the culture itself. And so she has to reclaim the discarded parts of herself that were split off from the feminine, that have been ignored and devalued and repressed, um, which goes back to what you're talking, what you were talking about, um, and words and feelings swallowed in her quest for success. And so, for the heroine, she makes it just this deep descent into grief of all the hearts that she had been repressing in order to take on the masculine. And this is when feelings become the roadmap again, instead of logical plans, because our mind will say, I slayed the dragon, I'm killing it. And our heart will say, this is killing me. And so we descend into the darkness because that's where we've hidden ourselves. So this would be in Barbie when America Ferreira does that long monologue and I'm going to read it word for word, just because it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So she Perfect. goes, it is literally impossible to be a woman you are so beautiful and so smart and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough like we always have to be extraordinary but somehow we're doing it wrong you have to be thin but not too thin and you can never say that you want to be thin you have to want to be healthy but you also have to be thin you have to have money but you can't ask for money because that's crass you have to be a boss but you can't be mean you have to lead but you can't squash other people's dreams. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman who's always looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them or threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood. Always stand out and be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also still be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off never be selfish never fall down never fail never show fear never get out of line it's too hard it's too contradictory and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you and it turns out not only are you doing everything wrong but also everything is your fault I'm so tired of watching myself and every other single woman in the world tie herself into knots so people will like us and if all of that is true for a doll just representing women then I don't know then I don't even know and so this is like such a perfect monologue of like female burnout of everything that we're supposed to be. Um, and then, but also saying like how disconnected to ourselves that we have to be, to be all the things that you're supposed to be in a patriarchal society. Right.
1: Yeah. There's so much going on there. So um, in most of the beginnings of these stories, the female character has a feminine energy, but also sort of senses that they need to stay in their place, stay in your own Mm -hmm. land and sort of, you have no voice. And as these characters begin to kind of expand, they sense how the masculine energy works in the world and how much success or power or authority or, Good uh, good things tend to happen uh, simply because somebody's operating from from that. And so then the character begins to kind of test those ideals. And then they're sort of put into their place. That, that women or those expressing feminine energy aren't exactly allowed to jump over into the other lane. Mm. And I can only imagine... That push and pull and how frustrating and harmful and damaging it is. And so when I hear Barbie saying all these things, I hear a person who says, it doesn't matter whether I do one or I do the other. It's never good enough. It's never, Mm -hmm. never right. And I I think women are in this really tough spot of not, not being able to do anything right, even when they're doing it right. Because Mm -hmm. Patriarchy seems to rule the world. Masculine energy, that that power, the force, seems to start all the wars and end all the wars. And and it just feels as though in these stories that the, the female character has gets to this place where she comes to recognize that her strength really is in that feminine energy but in a place with more confidence and not taking any more bullshit.
2: Mm. And isn't it so interesting, not that we bring this up, all the time, but isn't it so interesting in the religion that we came from that female burnout is kind of no is kind of what Mormons are known for in some parts of the world, like in Utah and, and having to ha- be perfect and, the, and this, and they're all on Prozac because they're all burned out from trying to be this perfect, whatever. And then when it's time in the journey to meet the goddess, which is the next step, this, this descent to the God and meet, meeting the goddess that when the woman wants to turn to the feminine part of God, the heavenly mother that there's whispers of in the theology, the the institution says, no, you can't go there. Don't talk to her. Don't look at her. It's not, you know, you, you're not allowed to do that, which I think is so interesting because that's, that's the next step in the archetypal story, which is the meeting of, of kind of this archetype of the gods. So at this stage, um, She reconnects with her feminine essence, which you were talking about, and she starts to re-embrace these qualities of intuition and emotional depth and nurturing and healing wounds and developing meaningful relationships and being vulnerable and having these relationships of vulnerability. It's a return to the body intuition feeling listening and repairing um, it's a it's a return to expression and creativity and nature and family and friends I would also put psychedelics in this group what do you think about that that I, I think when when mo I've heard more people talk about um, a feminine kind of nature type of God god goddess than like the masculine I don't know
1: ayahuasca is referred to as grandma ayah and that is across the board that's interesting i didn't know that feminine energy so when i when i took ayahuasca there was numerous conversation around that experience where it was referred to with a feminine energy as grandma ayah and the medicine the other phrase i heard constantly was the medicine is the teacher
0: yeah and Mm. and i
1: think recognizing that as you're pointing out in psychedelics and certainly within ayahuasca that it is seen as more of a feminine energy that's instructing you.
2: Yeah. I, I didn't know that it was called that. So that good. I, I just had an intuition about that as I was writing that list that felt very feminine and it felt very close to what you experience on mushrooms, which is often a burst of creativity and nature and, a, and vulnerability and relationships and intuition and your body. and Um, it it kind of relates more to these these feminine aspects and so you'll see women after going after going or after having a divorce or going through a faith crisis, they're like, I'm, I'm do yoga now. Or if I don't start watercolor painting, I'm going to die. It's like going back to your creativity and your body and relationships and the power of being feminine. Sometimes um, this can look like researching female goddesses or researching, you know, Asherah or the divine feminine or doing mushrooms or getting into ancestor work. It's, it's this feminine power and wisdom that we've turned off in order to be successful in the in the kind of more masculine world and then we find healing so for me it was definitely um it looked like a search for the divine feminine i remember the first time i read a book where the pronouns of god were she instead of he and i remember just weeping and not really knowing why Um, i had a mushroom experience once where i was um where i was this green goddess and i was pregnant and it was so beautiful and amazing that i was pregnant And when I came out of it, I had to like double check that I wasn't pregnant and (laughs) it was returning to my body, which, which I had for most of my life just kind of ignored that it's there. Like it's just there to move my head from place to place and it's trusting your inner voice again and it's spending more time with family and friends and, um, my writing changed. Like my writing started to be from the heart instead of how I used to write, which I would always quote dead white guys to prop up my own position. This is how you have to write in order to, um, be taken seriously. And so it's this kind of accessing this feminine energy and now it's moving through you. And so for Barbie, she meets the maker, Ruth, the, the old lady, um, the maker of Barbie but at the beginning she doesn't recognize her like they're sitting at tea and they're talking and there's something there and Barbie says who are you and she she doesn't get a chance to answer so she meets the goddess but hasn't fully leaned into it yet so we're not so in the movie it actually follows the heroine's journey because she meets the goddess but there's not a um reconnection or an integration yet she just met the goddess there which
1: I thought was really interesting. I'm just thinking of like uh, Cinderella where uh, the fairy godmother comes along and helps her, but because of the fact that she doesn't leave in time and there almost isn't an absolute trust in what's being taught to her, Mm -hmm. right? Like she Mm -hmm. almost thinks she can still sort of wing it on her own.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like you're meeting the goddess, but you don't fully understand the significance yet. And you haven't Mm. done the reintegration work, but you sense that there's something there, um, which is what we get in the Barbie movie. And so then after that, there's a healing of the mother daughter split, which is really interesting. So this can look like reconciling with your actual mother, which I definitely had to do in my journey. It can look like kind of like no longer hustling for your worth. It can look like reconcil- reconciling with the great mother or the kind of archetype of mother, the feminine. And um, it's it's this season where you're, you're journaling, you're healing, you're doing yoga with old women at the Y, you cry, you sing lullabies to your children, you're returning to um, some of these aspects of mother. So for Rapunzel, it's the moment when she recognizes that her stepmother is the bad guy and she returns to her mother and gets that hug at the end. And then Barbie got to meet Ruth, but then didn't quite know what was going on there, and then has this moment where Ruth is holding her hands and telling her to feel. And before this moment, Ruth is kind of elusive to Barbie because Barbie wasn't quite ready for her yet. And then now in this stage, Ruth gives Barbie permission to be human, to fully feel all of it. To cry. And it's this beautiful moment where Ruth is holding Barbie's hands. And this is also the first moment um, in the movie where she drinks tea for the first time and actually drinks it instead of like faking drinking, which is kind of this symbolism that, okay, now you're drinking from this symbolic well of water, right? You're actually quenching your thirst. Instead of pretending to, which is what women do, you know, we'll do all these things and take bubble baths and pretend that we're actually being healed. But no, this was the actual moment where you're drinking for the first time. When and when, I you love were, that. when you
1: were when you were saying that part of of this episode, am I wrong to think that I kind of heard you connecting with some emotion there?
2: Mm, yeah. Were you? Yeah, I, for sure. It almost
1: seemed like you were about to maybe shed a tear or something. I'm, I just want uh, I, I wanted to that, pause and just I wish I could get. That.
2: Yeah, I wish I could get the wording for um, it's like the emotion is there, but I don't quite have the language there. I just remember being in that movie and I remember Barbie holding Ruth's hands mm. um, and I remember just being so touched and I remember crying a bit because it was just. Barbie had been hustling. She had gone out into the real world. She had come back. She had had this breakdown moment where it's too hard to be a woman. And then she's holding hands with the maker. And it's this beautiful kind of feminine divine kind of moment. It looks kind of heavenish in the background. And it's just Ruth giving Barbie permission to feel and to be human. And it's just beautiful. and I wish I wish it have I would have gone back and gotten the exact language for it, but um it was it was one of my favorite parts of the movie for sure, and and really um really healing, really healing for me, yeah,
1: you, at the beginning of this, you said this isn't about penises and vaginas. <laughs> and I can resonate with that because as you were telling that part, and I sort of could sense some emotion in you, I immediately connected with the therapy that I'm doing. Over the last few months. And uh, as my therapist has helped me kind of go back in time and start to sense where some of my hurt or my mechanisms are connected to earlier events in my life, what I've come to really get in touch with is that as a little boy, I felt emotion more than what I perceived others feeling it. Mm. So I deemed that feeling significant emotion was something that shouldn't happen
2: something wrong it,
1: with you something wrong or mm. it's 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 too much it's overwhelming mm. for people um and so i i began to sort of suppress it and like you said earlier in the beginning of the podcast go into logic mm-hmm. and uh uh kind of those Reason. kinds of aspects mm-hmm. yeah. and go into mm-hmm. those kinds of aspects and sort of go like look sitting here and crying about this isn't going to be helpful Let's yeah. just stick with the logic side of things, and my wife has often pointed out, like, you know, you're not emotional at all, mm-hmm. a lot of the times, and you seem to see something wrong with emotion, uh, and so I anyway I resonated kind of connecting that this isn't about penises and vaginas. This no. is we all have masculine and feminine energies within us, yeah. regardless. And of And we gender. were
2: probably all told at some point stop crying and hide this emotion because yeah. you can't be out in the world just feeling things. <laughs> like can't we can't feel just walk much. around. No. Yeah. We can't feel this much. And so that moment when Ruth gives Barbie permission to feel, and then as she feeling, you know, she starts to cry, which is what happens because feelings are very intense. Like it's very intense to walk around this world without numbing the feelings that we feel being human.
1: Yeah. I watched my grandson, my grand, I got a granddaughter, another grandson as well, but they're just, they're one year old. They just had their birthday, but my three-year-old grandson, I watch him feel, mm-hmm. and sometimes his feelings are overwhelming. And I look at that and I go, we're, we adults are not that much different. We've got some coping mechanisms we've learned. We've got stories to assign to it, but what is actually being felt inside isn't, isn't much different for a three-year-old versus a 45-year-old.
2: Mm-hmm. You're so right that's humbling to think about because man, I got this one kid that just feels a lot and it, it sometimes can be overwhelming. And then sometimes I'll say something and realize, Oh my God, I just forced her to like repress that into her shadow. Yeah. Like it's okay
1: to cry, but go in your room and do it. Yeah.
2: Because I, (laughs) because I was feeling overwhelmed and I couldn't emotionally regulate to handle her big emotions. And um, it's, it's sometimes scary to watch yourself. Uh, be the thing that's pushing those feelings into their shadow, which yeah. which you do have to do a little bit, like having you go in a shadow. You can't avoid it. You have to learn um, social behaviors and all of these things. But to watch myself be a part of that is is sometimes hard to watch as a mother. Yeah. All right. So the next part, which I think is super important and something that gets like no talking points in society, which is healing the wounded masculine. So the next stage involves and this is where i feel like feminism is not there yet like we are not there we are still in like fuck the patriarchy that's where we are with the feminist movement and that's fine there's a lot of things that you know should fuck off but this next stage is the heroine taking like reconsidering the negative projections of the men in her life Um, identifying the parts of herself that she has ignored, like her health and her feelings. Um, And it's becoming aware of the positive aspects of her own masculine nature that did all these amazing things and also masculinity in general and how it is needed in society and that we need men. And we need people who do amazing projects and put on this kind of strong energy to do list, um, push off, push off our feelings because we're focused on something, and we don't want people's pushback to turn us away from accomplishing something. Like we need that in the world. It does release, it does um, uh, cause less suffering in the world to have some of these, to have this energy, be doing projects all around the world. And so this is when Barbie doesn't punish Ken for what he did to Barbie by taking over Barbie land and invites him to go on his own journey and says, Hey, you're Ken and nobody does beach like you and doesn't um, punish him and say, look what you did and shame him for kind of his part in the journey. And so this is, this is something that I talk a lot about, especially with mothers of boys, because right now we have a lot of, um, that we kind of have this rise of the feminine going on in society as, as as a kind of pendulum swing from patriarchy. And so now I do feel like sometimes, especially white, straight, heterosexual men have to walk around society and apologize for just existing, for just existing as a man. And when we shame the masculine because of our own hurt female wounds, we're not there yet. That's that's not it. That's not that's not heal that's not what healed feminism looks like. You're still in kind of reactionary feminism when you are shaming the masculine. And so this is the part of the journey where she comes back and realizes that her own masculinity, masculine energy is helpful and she can put it on whenever she wants to, and that we need men in the world and we need healthy men in the world, and there's this kind of integration with. The masculine, which I think is not talked about enough because we're just not there yet in kind of the society heroine's journey. What do you think about that? I um
1: I'm I'm torn here because I think that there is uh it's necessary to go through a phase just like the heroine's journey. There's also this cultural journey that's doing the same thing, right? And so there's this absolute need for women to put their foot down and say enough and enough is enough of this male chauvinistic patriarchal bullshit. And it may be room to even go a little too far because for thousands of years, yeah. it's been lopsided the other direction. And as you're pointing out, we're going to have to, as human beings get to a place where we go, okay, patriarchy has gone, but we still do need the gifts of masculinity we still do need the gifts of the feminine, and we have to find a way to integrate both of those in a healthy, respectful way that that honors the gifts of both energies, and we're probably a long way away from that still.
2: Yeah, I think we're definitely a long way away from that, and kind of my thoughts on when we do, when feminism goes, does go too far to the point where you're kind of shaming men, for existing, I think my fear is that what happens is the masculine becomes wounded, the men are are wounded just because they have to carry the shame that sometimes is founded and sometimes not founded on their actual actions in the world. And so we get this kind of male response and that's what I see with like these kind of red pill, Jordan Peterson, hardline conservatives, women need to stay home and and uh, you get this kind of hard res- like really, really tough masculine response, this really unhealthy masculine. And was some of that caused by kind of the, the feminine not being here yet and kind of shaming the masculine in our reclaiming? And so maybe, um, you know, we're not there yet, but it's gonna take some time <laughs> for for the Me Too movement to finish kind of what it started so that we can integrate the masculine in a healthy way. Otherwise, I think we're creating a a generation of really unhealthy masculine because we haven't given them a place to exist healthily. We just shame them for being masculine because this is the world of the feminine now. Girls run the world and all those messages.
1: Yeah, both sides have some really effed up stuff that needs worked on. And, you know, again, we can, we can sit here and uh, make it all patriarchy's fault, but patriarchy sorts of sort of gets created with any one man sort of just being dragged into it as well, right? Like it's, it's unintentional to some degree. Um,
2: Right, patriarchy hurts men too.
1: I'm just, I want to be careful of how I word things because I know when people listen to stuff like this, they're ready sometimes to pounce one direction or the other. And I just, I want to note that we need the gifts of both sides. We need the gifts of the feminine. We need the gifts of the masculine. And um, we have not, because men were evolutionarily designed bigger and stronger and faster, whether we like it or not, those three things have led to a cultural system where those folks get to be in charge and we have got to because we're in 2023 now there's not a need for that anymore
2: Mm.
1: that we've got to get to a place where we sit at the table with some sort of balance and it is necessary to go lopsided the other direction first Mm. because the other side has to sense what privilege is the Mm. masculine has to sense like oh That's what it's like to be in that position. Oh, that's what it's like to have nobody believe your word or to ask too much of you or to complain whenever you, like, we have to experience that.
2: Yeah, I do feel like men do have to experience, you know, you get this male response, what, I can't talk to women at all anymore? And it's like, oh, you're realizing for the first time that you have to be super aware of what we say, like what you say, women have, like since the time we're five we're aware of what we say and whether we're going to hurt a man's feelings like we're mm. taught to have that awareness all the time so like mm. yeah you need to sit with that you need you need to have some time with that all right so then the last part is the integration of masculine and feminine which is why everyone should go on the hero's journey heroine's journey not just um women So the masculine builds structure that allows the sustainability for the healing power of the feminine. And when the masculine and feminine come together, it's birth, whether it's inside you or whether we're talking about an actual man and woman now or in the story. We have um, kind of earth mother and sky father, and then they come together and they create life or creation or birth. And it's it's that's the that's where life is. In all these stories, it's pointing to if you can get the healthy masculine and healthy feminine to integrate, it is where life is. And so for Ken and Barbie, it's friendship, which is important that it wasn't romantic because Ken was hustling for his own value and attention in this matriarchy of Barbie land. Um, But as friends, neither of them is dependent on the attention of the other, they are meeting each other as friends and they're equals, which is why I loved that they ended as friends instead of romantically, because now Ken, um, who's just been hustling for his own worth in, in this kind of flipped patriarchy, um, can be Ken and work on being Ken and Barbie can be Barbie and they can be equals and they can be friends. For Milan, it's she can fight, But then she wants to get married at the end and she reconciles with her mother and father. And so she has her wise grandmother, mother, father, you know, romantic interest. Everybody's happy. Everybody's integrated. She can fight, but she can also be a woman and she can do both, which she didn't she couldn't do at the beginning. Um, for Rapunzel, she finds her real parents, which is this ideal loving versions of ideal masculine and ideal feminine. Um, and then Barbie ends with this beautiful place, which is she's ready for her pap smear, which is cute and funny, but also points to this idea that women who have integrated masculine and feminine, that's where you create life and that's sacred. And all religions have this kind of divine image of Madonna and child for this reason. And so a gynecological exam is kind of just pointing to the end of that journey, which is life itself. So I'm going to leave you for a second for your thoughts. I'm going to go to the, to the bathroom real quick and then uh, I'll be right back.
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, it it strikes me that Ken is sort of an accessory to Barbie In, in the Barbie world, in the toy world. Uh, girls are buying Barbie dolls. And and when you look at all those toys, people are buying, you know, a girl is getting Ken as a gift or is buying Ken uh, as a doll as an accessory to Barbie. And I thought the movie did a great job of helping us men to sort of sense what it's like to be objectified Uh, in a world that is turned on its head, that is patriarchy turned upside down, where women rule the world. And I thought that was quite interesting. And like you, Britt, you obviously are going to hear this right now, but like you, when when you say that these heroine journeys, the the climactic end is when the woman, uh, when the feminine energy integrates the masculine. Uh, And so you see all these characters come back to uh, espouse feminine energy, uh, I was just saying, Britt, that you see these characters at the end of these tales espouse feminine energy. Like they they leave this idea of not being powerful at all, not having any power, not having any voice. They go out into the world. They they meet the wise fairy grant uh, fairy godmother. They sort of learn to stand on their own two feet. Learn that they have their own voice. That they can accomplish things too. The stuff goes south. they overcome the challenges, and, as you were pointing out, when they come back to the end of the movie or the end of the book, they have integrated uh this masculine and this feminine uh to the point where now they still have this feminine and I don't want to use the wrong words here, but a a tenderness and a sweetness and a compassionate oh i i, I gotta unmute you super sorry about that. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. A,
2: a, a nurturing, a vulnerability, yeah. of feelings, intuition.
1: But also a power and mm-hmm. a confidence and a voice and a strength that they didn't have at the beginning of these tales. And I, like every human being, because they talk about this in the hero's journey too, that the princess who they sort of objectify in all these tales, right? It's the object you have to go get. Uh, Joseph Campbell and others oppose that the idea is that it is the male trying to incorporate that feminine energy. Yeah. And you see in all these Disney movies, Sleeping Beauty, for instance, The Prince, he is soft and kind. Like He's powerful too, right? He's yeah. he's a rescuer, but he's yeah. also sweet and kind and good. And, and, and so you get to the end of uh, the hero's journey as well, and they're supposed to be incorporating the feminine. And you see the reverse in the feminine journey where they're incorporating the masculine. And what you end up with at the end of the hero's journey or the the heroine's journey is a more well-rounded a more self-confident self-aware individual who is now ready to go forward in sort of an awakened life and make make reasoned out healthy decisions about how you're going to human
2: yeah and what energy kind of the moment calls for is this the time to be nurturing and put a child to my chest and sing a lullaby or is this the time to go to an iep meeting and i gotta fight with some douchebags you know man in order to access resources and i'm gonna put on some like boss bitch energy in order to have that meeting you know what is the moment calling for and then you can Mm -hmm. flow and that's what um We actually are gonna have some episodes in taoism coming up uh which we haven't done on the podcast yet and i'm excited for it because it talks about like the center of taoism this yin yang of masculine and feminine and then having it be always flowing and you have that dot in each one because um they they so quickly turn from masculine to feminine and when you get into the flow of that that's where life is and so there is actually kind of eastern philosophies and ways of life that really are trying to get you to that place of flow where you can choose um, based on kind of what life is calling for in the moment.
1: Did you see this one too? I don't, I don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but this was Mm -hmm. a much more complex. I like yours by the way, better for the show because Mm -hmm. we wanted to go through these basic concepts, but I, I didn't know if you had seen this one before.
2: I haven't, I'll have to go back and look at it. Yeah,
1: I'll just leave it up on the screen for a moment so folks can kind of just push pause and they can kind of read through it. But uh, this was a much more complex one. Now that you know the heroine's journey, now that you've mm-hmm. heard Britt uh, explain uh, each of these stages, now you can start to sense maybe how these break out into various facets. But anyway, I, I, I really appreciate um, these conversations because these motifs are happening in our lives all the time. And when, it's not that you know, again, not that Steven Spielberg didn't do it, but because he, he probably did or, um, you know, any of these guys that are creating uh, big movies that use the hero or the heroine's journey, uh, the fairy tale writers, the myth writers, these are concepts that repeat themselves over and over and over again, because just below the surface of our humanity is this human journey that's going on And hence, it sort of speaks to us like this, this is how we teach ourselves as individuals and as people, what it means to grow up and to be an adult and to overcome your fears and overcome challenges. This is how we tell children what it's like to transition into adults.
2: Yeah. And I wish there was a way that we could all access archetype and myth in this non-literal way because like you're saying as we're kind of lost in this world trying to figure out what we're doing and there's all of these stories that whisper this is where you are this is what's coming next or this this might be what's calling to you right now and it gives language to that and you're right the reason that we tell these stories over and over and over is because they continue to resonate with us they continue Mm -hmm. to point us to something um which is so interesting. So my last thought as far as women in archetypal stories is that usually the woman in the story is one of three characters, three overall characters. Men have more, but hey, they've been writing stories for longer. So the first one is she's the maiden. And this is Sleeping Beauty, Princess Peach where she is there because she is pure and she is there to be the trophy for the men to kind of, fight and figure out their hierarchy for so that the best man gets to win the maiden. And so when you look back at sleeping beauty, it's like this male fantasy, you know, the prince is walking through the forest, there's this 16 year old virgin who's just beautiful and she's singing and you have to slay the dragon in order to rescue her. And it's this, this she's there to be the trophy for this kind of male fantasy Mm -hmm. almost. And then the second archetype is mother, whether or not she's a literal mother or not, which means that she is doing something. She has projects. she is competent out in the world doing something. So the best um, kind of visual I have for this archetype is in Emperor's New Groove the the mother, the pregnant mother in that um, in that story. Uh, she's just super competent. And when her husband leaves, the llama asks, should we be leaving, you know, the bad guy with your wife? And he's like, she's competent. She can take care of it. She's running, you know, she's running various things. She's running a household or a career or children. And she's in this kind of competent project area of her life, but it's very relational. It's still very relational, and she hasn't tapped into her full power. And then the third kind of option you have for women in archetypal stories is the crone, and that's like grandmother Willow, um, the old lady Moana, witches, um, weird Barbie. And the interesting thing is that she's usually single. And I want to think a little bit more about why that might be, but she's usually single. And she's usually out in the forest or in the outskirts of society. And she's known for her wisdom and she's known for her healing and she doesn't take shit from anybody. And she's not there, even though she can have sexual energy, she's not there to be um, the sexual object. She's not an object. Like she's a full person. She's a full functioning person. And she's no longer there to be a sexual object for someone else. And so those are kind of the three archetypes in story and I can definitely see like my own journey with those archetypes. And then I can see my own journey in the heroine's journey with my relationship with my mother or my relationship with femininity and feeling because like you, I, I felt like I had to repress all of that and kind of go into this logic and reason space, which felt a lot safer and um, better. I just, I just had this idea that I, I feel like for most of my life, I only quoted men because I just feel, I just had the sense that like, Oh, they're more logical and they're better. Like I really, I really did believe that in my bones, even, even after Mormonism, I still kind of deeply believed that.
1: There, I think there's a fourth one, which mm. is the evil witch. Oh, or yes. 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 Or the evil stepmother. Uh, stepmother. Be, You're right. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm thinking, and it made me think of like the wizard of Oz. The wizard of Oz is a great heroine story mm. where, uh, Dorothy actually is the most reasonable, um, the, the best person to nudge the group ahead and make good decisions. And, and the, the lion has all, you know, is lacking his courage and the scarecrow is not thinking things through. And the tin man is uh, living in some sort of fear and Dorothy's the one who helps everybody. Yeah. Uh, but in there, there's an evil witch as well. And mm-hmm. um, You're
2: right. That's a, that's a good addition. I didn't think of that one.
1: But, the, uh, yeah, there's, sometimes there's this and for Dor- Yeah, for here. Dorothy,
2: that's interesting. I want to think about that more because I think Wizard of Oz has a lot of archetypes in it because she returns at the end to her aunt, which maybe is this kind of return to the feminine. But definitely at the end she returns to her own power because at the beginning she's just a scared little girl and she does the kind of trials phase of things and she has the fairy godmother kind of mentor. So, yeah, it definitely follows that story arc. And then at the end, she kind of can come into her own power and realize that what she needed, she had all along. Like yeah. she was wearing the slippers. You had this ability all along. You just didn't know it. Yeah. Mm, that's powerful. I like that. I didn't think about that. One. All right, that's it for me. Anything else you got?
1: No, I thought uh, great job, and I hope folks uh, get a lot of value. The you know the whole goal of this podcast, at least for me, is to share things that are coming up in the second half of life to help people uh, lean into being more equipped and uh, having the tools to be a better human. And I think when we understand why myth stories were created and what specific myth myth stories can teach us, or what a collective overlapping of, of myth stories can teach us, I think there's great tools there for us to kind of figure out like, Oh, so what this world is, pushing against, but what inside is calling is for me to develop wisdom, which really does incorporate both of those energies. And, uh, I think we have, you know, having done the hero's journey, uh, we needed to get to at some point, the heroine's journey. And today we did that.
2: Yeah. And so my, my goal for me for this podcast is, is to be able to have the nuanced conversations that just aren't happening. Um, in a lot of places we've had some really complex conversations where we have to really figure out how we want to say what we want to say and um, you know in this in this culture right now there's a lot of you know fuck the patriarchy on one end and on the other end it's like we need to return to traditional families and women need to stay at home and wear dresses and bake bread and And, you know, there's this conversation and we're trying to have a more nuanced conversation here. And I get a lot of personal benefit and growth from having these conversations with you, which is why I just keep coming back because I don't get to have these conversations with just anybody, especially not on social media out in the world. And, um, I, I just think that the world needs these conversations and I do too. And I grow a lot from them. And then just so people know, um, please support the podcast because Bill and I tried to find episodes on the heroine's journey in preparation for this episode. And there was nothing like what we just put together. And there are, there was like a couple and they were not great And um, so we did some work to be able to put this together. And so please support the podcast because we are trying to have conversations here that really aren't happening anywhere else so that they're of value to you. And if you do find that they're of value, please support the podcast. I'm saving every penny to my goal is to. Be able to build a she shed because I live in this tiny house with my four kids. And if I had um, a little office of my own, I'd be able to podcast more and create more content and have more clients and help more people in all the places that I once needed help um, as I was deconstructioning, deconstructing from religion and trying to put my life back together with all these tools and it gives me a lot of meaning and purpose to be able to help others do the same. And so uh, that's what I've been saving my pennies for. And so if you want to support me or my work or these conversations that we're having, please support the podcast so that we can continue to do that.
1: Yeah, so go to almostawaken.org, click the donate button, and uh, send Britt Hartley a few bucks, five bucks a month. Ten bucks a month would be great. I'm putting up on the screen here. This is Weird Barbie. <laughs> you were talking about buying it, so they were I might selling it. <laughs> it's sold out.
2: Oh, it's sold out.
1: Sold out. So oh, I, love I don't her. know what they're going to do. They would have to make more. It seems as though that's the right thing to do. Uh, but fifty bucks for a for a Weird Barbie. Um, I'd
2: still do
1: it. <laughs> it's always capitalism, isn't it?
2: I know, but I just love her so much, and I loved yeah. like I've been wearing Birkenstocks for like the past. I don't know, 20 years. Like it's just been my thing. I just find them comfortable. I've all. I if you ever see me, I'm always wearing Birkenstocks. So to have like the wisdom be presented as where the Birkenstock was somehow just like so delicious to me. <laughs> I love her. She's great.
1: Yeah. So folks, uh, if if you were listening to Britt at the beginning of the show and you wanted to get a weird Barbie, you'll have to wait till either, they make more. Either
2: send send a couple bucks so I can save up or. <laughs> Or if you have access to Weird Barbie, buy me one and send me one so I can put it on my desk because
1: I love her. (laughs) Love it. Thank you, Britt. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. And uh, again, go to almostawakened.org. You can see all of our past episodes there or on our YouTube channel. Uh, There's an entire playlist of all the Almost Awakened episodes. Thanks to Jana for filling in for the summer. We've got some Brit, great what,
2: episodes coming up in yeah. two weeks. We have the Naked Pastor, which is going to be an awesome. Oh episode. man, yeah.
1: If you don't know who that guy is, yeah, he does it's all these be, little like newspaper. And I found some ideas. really
2: cool people on on TikTok who are writing books and having really interesting conversations. So I'll keep bringing people in. Uh, so long as that, so long as people are listening, uh, I'll keep trying to bring in really interesting conversations. So stay tuned.
0: Love it. Have a great day, everybody.
2: Bye.
0: This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nononsenspirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director, Brittany Hartman.